0: Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world and building community. We love this local store and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is The Storied Outdoors podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to the Storied Outdoors. My name is Brad Hill and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Brian Gill. And we, man, we have a special, special day today as we're recording with a couple of good friends of mine, dear friends of mine, and a trip that I got to be on alongside these guys out out in Wyoming. We're joined today by uh, Chase Bowers, who's been on the show before and written a wonderful essay for our summer series this past summer. Um, Chase has joined us before and so we got Chase with us and then uh, new to the show, uh, first time listener, or what is it, first time caller, long time listener, remember that, anybody, anybody <laughs> from, you guys know, oh, yeah. you guys oh, know, yeah. um, Josh Farmer, Josh is a dear friend of mine, longtime friend of mine from college, he's in my small group but also uh, works for Compassion International. And uh, I got an invite again to go uh, out to Wyoming uh, to the Refuge with a bunch of pastors on a pastor's retreat hosted by Compassion International, and just uh, thankful for the opportunity to be a part of that and uh, to be invited into that group. And and this time I got to invite my pal Chase along um, for this uh, for this retreat, and a fellow pastor, a fellow missions pastor, uh, passionate about the the. The mission work and hearing more about compassion, but also an opportunity to go on a, I mean, a bonafide, bonafide retreat where we get away in the middle of nowhere. I mean, most everything in Wyoming is in the middle of nowhere. Let's just be honest. But this place is genuinely in the middle of nowhere, like nine miles down, I think, or seven or nine miles down a dirt road off of some little two lane highway with no speed limit. But a lot of speed goats, if you will, are all across Wyoming. If you know what a speed goat is, just Google it, man. You'll see those things. I saw a video of one of those things doing like 50 miles an hour down the road the other day. Some guy was driving next to one, and that little that little thing was cooking. But we're out in Wyoming. We're at the refuge. We're at the Water Valley Ranch, a 100-year-old ranch. I think they said John Wayne had stayed there at some point in time in the past. But just whatever you think of when you think ranch, you know, this is the place. Log cabin. There's taxidermy everywhere. There's, you know, leather chairs and leather bound books and rich mahogany. <laughs> there's, you know, there's pool tables and, man, there's beverages and food, more, some of the best food I've ever had. It, yeah. And it was a great time of fellowship. The weather is spectacular. I mean, it is cool enough. We're in the summertime, but we're in Wyoming. We're several several thousand feet above sea level, which is pretty tough on the Flatlander here down here at sea level, but it was great, and uh, man, I was excited to share that time with uh, with these guys, so welcome to the show, Chase and Josh. I'm thankful you're here. Thanks, man. Yeah.
1: honor yeah. nice to, to be here. Appreciate
0: it.
2: Josh, this is the first time I've ever met you, so uh, thank you for joining us on the show. I've heard a lot about you. Brad talks about you all the time. Um, he speaks so highly of you and and what the work you're doing with Compassion and Chase. Man, it's so good to see you again, buddy. It has been too long, and and. You know, I'm still I'm still searching for those acres of fish that we have yet to find. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me
1: too. Well, we got closer in Wyoming than we did in Georgia for sure. I'm, I'm still looking.
2: <laughs> Man, hey, so let's talk real quickly about Chase's essay, buddy. I could not read that thing without just crying my eyes out. It was so beautifully written. It was so touching. Such a story of redemption and 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 good fishing stories and, and man just a fantastic job man great job if, if you're listening Absolutely. and you haven't gone back and listened to that during the summer series go listen to that one that's a very very well done essay thanks for sending that in chase
1: Crazy, god thanks man i really appreciate the opportunity and i'm just grateful to the lord for the work that he's done and continues to do there and my family and i was super excited for the opportunity to write
2: well, you knocked it out of the park, man. Thanks thanks for doing good. such thanks a great job. Me.
0: Chase there was uh, one of the days that we were there fishing. Um we we went out me, you and uh another couple of guys went out and uh we we went on a pretty significant hike. And it was beautiful. Um I remember one of the, my favorite memories of that is as you come up on that ridge uh away from the away from the cabin there's this this lone huge huge ponderosa pine just kind of it's all by itself sitting on the side of that on the side of that mountain there and you know and we walk right past it as we get as we get closer to it it just looms larger and larger but we passed it uh, going out on the way on this very like narrow trail very steep trail we could see the river down to our left as we went out and we fished a while and uh it was an it wasn't that great of a day. And then we started making our way back. And uh I distinctly remember you guys decided to to try a different a different path. Big guy here was I was tired. I was like, you know what? I'm not chancing it. I know I can get back this way. I'm gonna go back this way. Yeah. So I, I made it back to the camp.
2: You stick to the old
0: roads. I stick to the old roads. <laughs> and yeah. I, I make it back to the camp and I get my you know, my waders off and I'm drying out, and I'm eating a sandwich, and I got me a a beverage, and I look up, and I see Paul walking this way on this side of the river, holding his waders over his shoulder, soaking wet. And I was like, well, what'd you do with my friend? Where's my friend, Chase? (laughs) Will you fill in the gaps of what happened between when you guys left me? And yeah. I was eating my sandwich.
2: A, a decision was made here. I've got to know what yeah. happened.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going back on this ridge. And it's probably 100 feet above the river. And, you know, Paul's old happy Paul. Just talk you into anything. He goes, hey, man, let's let's go down there. There's got to be fish down there. And, gotta you know, be. the river's running fast, and the guides have walked us past this area of the river, not fishing in it. But Paul is convinced. So, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with him. And going down, it's an easy trek, you know. because Going we're, down we're going always down. easy. Yeah walk some slide some right and we get down and we're just in a flat spot and the river is rolling and uh, it's it's between you know knee and hip deep Mm. and uh, it's it's tracking and there's a lot more big rock than small rock so it's hard to find your footing but paul's paul's six four you know i like to say i'm five nine and a quarter with shoes on right (laughs) uh, so (laughs) paul's Big guy, taller, and he—he's moving faster than I am, and he gets past halfway, but he—he's kind of standing stuck. And I—I I see Paul go down. What and I in think, oh, oh no, yeah, like he's—he's he's oh, soaked, boy. like I experienced about fifteen minutes into our Georgia trip. And <laughs> I watched and made sure Paul got to the bank on the other side. And I just I thought, soaking I'm not, I'm not doing this. So I, yeah, so I try to climb back up this embankment, and I get about halfway up. And I see a deer trail. I can't get the rest of the way up. So I just start following this wildlife trail. And I mean, there's areas where I'm walking to slide. I have to throw my fly rod backwards across a little ridge and jump across it. And anything I can grab on, I will. I'm going up and down. I get get stuck in one spot and... You know, we're in the middle of Wyoming and you're seeing taxidermy and there's spots where I'm just going, hey, bear, and not really worried. And then there's spots where it just feels like there's a mountain lion staring, staring at me.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: And, uh, and I'm in waders and it's hot. And so I I finally, I literally had to crawl under some underbrush. Uh, and when I crawled under, I could we're hear- are talking hands it, and
0: knees here and hands and knees? Yeah. Trail?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, What kind of I,
0: trail was this again?
1: It was a wildlife trail, okay. but the trail ran out. Oh, okay. I literally, okay. Okay. I mean, this, this is a, not where I wanted to be. Oh, right. No. I'm, I am, I know there's a river. I know there's a cabin across it. Even the deer were essentially, like, nope. I'm lost. <laughs> well,
3: here's,
1: here's the thing. I come up under this and I hear there's been a mule deer doe right across the river from where we're staying.
0: Yeah. We've seen and that hear, thing all week. Yeah.
1: And so I hear what I know is a doe kind of hissing or blowing. And I just start looking for her and I, I saw her and just started walking toward her and I'm, I mean, I'm hot. I've been at it for about 45 minutes. And, uh, and so she, um, so she finally pops up and takes off and I see her and I just start blazing. then it's, it's golden. I realize, Oh, I'm, I'm not far from home. I get back there, cross back over the bridge and then went and found Paul and drowned him. You know? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was not his fault. I, I I decided to go with him. It did not go well, so I, I went back to a great great lunch and enjoyed uh, lunch, a cool drink, and just kind of chilled out a little bit. And then then went to this little honey hole with Brad. This little little lake where where we found some fish. It was a good time. Oh
0: man! Oh, the little Upper Lake that was a oh yeah, just a pristine, beautiful little lake, slam full of. Slam full of little trout and uh, some big trout. And then my favorite fish that we caught all week were those beautiful brook trout.
1: Yeah, man. Just the spots on those trout, the markings were so incredible. The red and the blue and uh, just all the layers on the fish were really amazing. And they were. They're they're the, the smallest of the three species, but they were gorgeous
0: jumping i mean that when you we, we joke about acres acres of bass but this little pond was slammed full of them and they were just jumping everywhere and man popping popping, popping. hitting yeah. dry flies you can't get much oh i God. don't know that you can get much better than a hit a dry fly a top water hit on any fish but uh, it was pretty special was no
1: awesome. we caught all three species there and I, I had a day where we both had a day where we caught a couple and then i had a day where i hammered them and then the next day man you were was it a a green Drake. What yep. was that that you were hammering a, them on? It was
0: a green Drake, man. We wiped yeah. off the floor with them. Just with nail thing. them. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. This, this is no joke.
1: It looked like you caught seven or eight fish in like an forty five minutes an hour. I mean, it it those
0: was little, amazing. Those little fish are angry. Yeah. One of my my you know when I look back on for both of these guys, but for you Chase, when we went to uh it was your I think it was your first one of the week. Right. Was it your first trout out of the river for the week?
1: My first trout out of the river. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: We went up to, there's a, little, a spot that we could walk to pretty easy from the, from the shop. And I had, uh, from the uh, cabin and I had, uh, I had caught one there that was uh, what we like to call a long release. I hooked <laughs> it pretty good and fought it for a little while and then unhooked it down river somewhere because uh, that big fella turned downstream yeah. and uh and took me with it I didn't go full Brad Pitt on it you know going going down the river chasing it you know losing my hat and everything but man it was it was a really great fish and uh and so man I, and i had but I had caught one and netted one earlier than that in that same spot and I was like man this is a really good this is a good spot and so uh took chase got chased there and and I don't know if it was the same fish but man you caught a great no, fish no it was a way. good fish.
1: So what I call was a good fish but I I mean what what you had on was every bit of 20 inches easy and I I had time to get to you I remember and get the net I mean you you're fighting it for a while but what what you had on was a big brown I mean when it it came up top you could see the curve in this fish it was ridiculous
0: yeah mm, yeah it stings stings a little Makes but what does you, it doesn't keeps you coming back that's right yeah. that's right that's right well, what doesn't sting was getting to net, uh, you know, be the be the net man for for you and and uh, build a net that that beautiful brown trout that you caught out of that spot too, man. That was awesome.
1: Well, you you kind of walked me through. I really appreciated this because I'm I fish warm water for bass and bluegill, and they're they're not quite as smart as trout, you know, <laughs> and uh, and 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 so you kind of walked me through just the the lanes to really to put the fly in and, and with the river rolling, got me into some slower water and, and, uh, and sure enough, got on a, uh, a nice little Brown. That was a good fight. It was a whole lot of fun, beautiful fish. And, uh, I, um, uh, I was, I actually got a, got a sticker the other day, kind of got away. I'm going to remember some of these species that I catch and, a uh, bowed just like a picture I got of it. And uh, it, it was so much fun, so exciting. And, uh, and it was great to, Great to catch it. Of course, to have the experience with a really good friend is what what makes it Absolutely. that you were, you were right there, and I, it was just such a super day. And and in the middle of nowhere, like there's there's no distraction, there's nothing else going on. I mean, it was just such a great time.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've been working i I'm working on my guide skills. Maybe one day I can uh, retire and be a guide. That'd be that'd be awesome. The old Captain Redbeard, the tales of Captain Redbeard.
1: And as long as there's a stored outdoors discount for that, I'm I'm
0: down for it. Yeah. I, it. I'm hoping that there will be. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Talk about we've caught fish and catching fish is fun, right? But talk about like this maybe some more of the spiritual reflection on a week a week like that at the refuge.
1: Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you had told me that it was in the middle of nowhere, and when we pulled up into the town of Encampment, and the only establishment there is the Mangy Moose, I thought, oh yeah, this is this is going to be uh, in the middle of nowhere. And so, you, I mean, you said it. We see these mountain goats going out, and uh, it's it's how many miles? It's about forty five minutes of just slow going, and then. You, you drop into this little valley and it really is like a refuge and there's no self-service and uh, their Wi-Fi is hidden. And so, um, so in my, you know, right as I'm getting in, my son's having a travel issue and they were great. Let me get on the phone, but then I was off the phone and uh, making sure my son was going to make it to Rwanda. Okay. And he did. And then it was just like quiet. And so because it was refuge, I, I think I've told you this Brad I just took a different, little piece every day of psalm 46 1 and just would sit down and look at the mountains listen to the stream and write about how the lord's my refuge and how he's my strength and how he's present help in trouble and and then that last part we will not fear and so the whole the whole weekend i was either talking to people face to face or talking to no one and there were just sometimes hours by yourself a silence of just walking to a spot or walking from a spot and uh, in, in the middle of this beauty, remembering that there's a guide who made this, and this is just one little spot of all these amazing places he's made. Uh, I, I came away really rested and with just a lot of wind in my sails. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was a super time. And, and, and also the, the people we were talking to were like-minded people who've gone through some really similar things. And so kind of kind of walked away going, well, either I'm not crazy, or if I am crazy, it's not because of this, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, and just knowing they're they're good brothers, just doing the same work all over the world, all over our nation, and uh and the work of refuge, both to encourage pastors and then the young men and women who were serving and guiding and leading horse trips. I mean, just tremendous individuals. And you can see the character of Christ growing up in them and you know we'd say a prayer at night talk about things we're thinking through learning uh during the day together and then just a little discussion we had around what what were like world class meals i mean sous vide brisket prime rib like a, that was that was insane it was just such good food the, whole the time man was the incredible. man
0: deep fried a prime rib in a yeah. in a cast iron kettle that a cauldron. Yeah. That's not a kettle. That's a straight cauldron of yeah. oil on a pitchfork. It was unreal. Yeah. It was unreal.
1: Yeah, if you've not tried, I mean, this, tried is, this is boy, this you is this is way past.
0: This is way past fondue. This is this is as fun. Yeah. This is as fondue as it gets, man.
1: Pitchfork fondue. That's what he called <laughs> it,
2: right? Yeah. That story just kept getting manlier and manlier.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he put it I up on the I have never felt more manly than that moment with they... it. That was crazy. Yeah i mean i've got that on video for this episode i'll I'll make sure we post that video so you can see those things going we're not even remotely kidding it was incredible and then afterwards he asked us he had the audacity to ask us if we wanted a deep fried yeast roll the size of our head
2: do you even have to ask
0: i mean might as well
2: why not Chase is over there. Chase has got a handful of Oreos and Twinkies. Like, Hey, throw those in the fryer too. I've been to the Texas state fair. (laughs) That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh man. Oh, Oh,
0: that's so good. Well, Well, Josh, uh, man, you working for compassion, you get to invite people to that trip. And uh, you know, that's not the only place you guys go. You guys go other places and take pastors and love on pastors in other ways. You also take pastors on, you know, those kind of started when we couldn't go to sites with compassion. Right. And so this is another way. What are ways that we can, you know, continue to invest in pastors? And uh, and and so you guys started taking them on trips like these. And so you all do some other trips like these. What is it like for you um, to go to lead one of those trips, but to also take part and be, you know, on one of those trips? Yeah.
3: It, look, it's, it's a, a dream job that I get to do, honestly, of, of the work of on two sides of it, like the releasing children from poverty, like the calling to serve kids that are marginalized, that have no hope. Like my calling has come from uh, a lot of my own uh, life and upbringing and brokenness there. Uh, and so it's a tremendous honor at the same time on this side. Uh, to serve pastors as a former youth pastor and church works not easy um, some guys have better seasons great seasons um but inevitably like there's hardships going to come and whether you're dealing with just life with your people or difficult people in your church like it, it, it's very difficult and so I love that we get to serve the church that that task from leadership down to serve pastors serve the church um, help them, Connect with who, uh, who God is, uh, in really awesome places. So trips like this, uh, it, it's a little surreal that I get to participate, that I get to invite pastors, treat them to such a unique experience. Um, and then there's tension whenever I go to these trips because it's beautiful. It's fun and it's enjoyable. Uh, but. I, I tell my coworkers all the time, like, we're, we're always on when we're on those trips. And so, and that's okay. That's my job is to be there to serve. And, uh, you know, I, I did not have the success with the fish that you guys had. I mean, the, the first day was just blank, just, you know, nothing. Uh, second day, um, did a little, uh, lake fishing or pond fishing, nothing. The guy, the pastor I was with, Brandon, he caught a lot of fish, which I'm grateful for. Uh, and then on the last day, uh, the morning session just blanked, but Rick, who was um, I was going out with, uh, he had not caught a fish all week either. And I just remember walking and 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 one of those moments saying, uh, "Lord, I, I'm grateful to be here. It's been a wonderful week. Uh, I I, sh- I sure wish that Rick. I wish you would bless Rick. Let right? him be able to catch that fish because it, it's for him. Like Lord willing, I get to go back. Hopefully next summer, I get to take more pastors back and experience again. And, and Brad, I know you've been twice, but." a lot of these guys this would be the only time they get to go and experience something like this and uh man lo and behold probably 20 minutes in rick hooked him and netted him, uh, a fish and just you know i just you know, smiled and go man this like my my trip was complete at that point um just to see the lord answer that prayer in a short amount of time and, and look yeah, in the grand scheme of things that's not a big prayer right but it i, I felt that it it meant something then mm-hmm. and um and so, yeah, it's a, it's a joy. It's a privilege because here's what I love about compassion and what our leadership says. Like we believe in what we're doing with the local church in 29 countries serving children from poverty, releasing them from poverty in Jesus name. Like we believe it. I believe it's a great fit for every church. Um, you find a better organization on the planet that does what we do as an organization and, and I'll, I'll support them too. But at the end of the day, we invite pastors on these trips to serve them, to give them retreats and rest. And we're we we going to present it. And I've got a bit of a sales background after my time in youth ministry. And so, look, I'm not afraid. I'm going to ask you to consider what it would be like for your church to partner with compassion. But it is so open-handed of saying, if this is a good fit for you, for your people, man, we can make something really great happen. And we can help connect your people to child in poverty and really bring missions to the kitchen table. And, um, but we're open handed in it, and this is what we offer. If what you walk away from is rest and you connect so that you can connect with the Lord, connect with nature, and you are able to continue on how the Lord has called you in your place of ministry, and praise the Lord, then then that's that's time well spent, it's money well spent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we get to do all kinds of stuff on that. Uh, the trip, there's all there's opportunity not just to fish. Um, but you're in Wyoming, you know, there's lots of cowboy hats and lots of horses. Um, I did not, I, I grew up with horses and so like, it's not that novel for me to go on a, a like a horse ride. It, it's a lot more work. I, I still kind of see the work, <laughs> the the work in it. You gotta, you know, you gotta do all that leading up to and afterwards. So it wasn't as appealing to me. And when I was going this time, I'm like, dude, I'm going to fish. I'm going to fish until there's grooves in my fingers from the line I'm stripping in. <laughs> I'm going to Yes fish, and amen. <laughs> fish and fish. And I did. And I mission accomplished. Yes you did mission accomplished and uh because i'm also learning that the amount of fish you catch is directly impacted by the amount of times your line is in the water <laughs> it's Amazing in how that happens. <laughs> so for me i have to fish a lot <laughs>
1: man I, I didn't catch a thing at the office today no
0: no <laughs> but man it was cool to see you know t- to see guys you know that have never done that you know And I did the the last time I was there, I went on one of the trips. The only reason I went there, were like, we're going to fish at the end of the ride or at the middle of the ride. And then before we come back. So I was like, Oh, I'll do that. I get to go fish. So, um, but this time I didn't, I didn't go ride, but Josh, you, you went on one of the horse rides. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah. So, uh, Jason mentioned there was no cell service at the, uh, at the ranch. And so, Oh, that's I,
0: uh, right. There there is cell service. That's, there is. And that's one of the lures to to get people to go on the the horse the horse ride.
3: Yes. And I forgot to put my out of office um response on and, and where it may not have been that big of a deal, but I don't like for a week to go by before I respond to emails. And so I was like, I really need to go on this horseback ride. I would like to see it. It's probably been thirty five years since I've been on a horse grew up. Uh, in in the country and had friends with them and so I rode them but it's it's been a minute I'm not a very limber guy um I, I like to work out but I don't I don't do yoga and I don't stretch a good bit so I said you know I'm gonna go one of the pastors I invited was going to go to us so it would be more time on the trail with Don so we go out and they put me on this this horse and I mean as soon as I straddle that thing I feel my hip flexor just kind of pinch down a little bit and it's kind of like I hope that's going to stretch out. I think it will. It did not. And it's uh, about an hour and a half, one way up and an hour and a half down. It's quite the trip. And so on the way up, it's been a minute. Well, so it's been a minute since I rode a horse. And they tell you, as you're going up the hill, lean forward, help the horse out. If you lean back, it's kind of pulling at the horse. And to help the horse out. Well, okay. So, but on the way down, you're to lean back as the horse is stepping down. So we get to the top of the mountain and I needed to get off that horse. My hip was on fire. It was beautiful. I got my cell service, I put my out office on, got a few, a flood of text messages, but my hip was on fire. And I was like, I need to get off this horse, but I was afraid that if I got off, I wouldn't get back on it. Like, you know, I'm not a very tall guy. And so I endured and then we went back down. And I tell you every step that that horse took on the way down, it just pinched down on, on that hip, and it was just. Uh, You're leaning uh, back. Uh, every step, leaning back, trying to get really. I never found it, and we finally, but it really didn't. And so we get back to the stable, and I I, I can't move. I can't move my legs. My like from my waist down, both my hips are just like teased up. And, and the young lady was trying to help us. And I mean, the guys got a good laugh at it. And I mean, it's, it's a funny story, but I, I didn't know what to do. And so she's like, like, I couldn't even swing my leg off the back end of the horse. Like I had to go, like almost fall off, go the front way <laughs> and just slide off the horse. And I didn't know if my legs were going to work. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I, I'm ho- yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they remember and they do their job. And, <laughs> and thankfully they did. Like, I mean it was like a cartoon you see a character of his legs just bowed out like when he gets off a horse and I, I could barely walk and, and the guy's like they're they're laughing there's three three other pastors and and you know I, I was laughing to prevent from crying' <laughs> <I wasn't laughs> so much
1: crying.
3: <laughs> and then they were like you sure held it together pretty good. I was like, well, the last thing I want to do is ruin your horse. That's the always being on part, right? It's like, I didn't want to ruin your horse ride. And so I'm suffering and silent. But man, they they helped me. There's a step up out of the stable. And they, they, I mean, I felt like a, a grandpa, man, but they you know, they helped me up and uh, walking a few steps, loosened them up a little bit. I thought I'd be down for the next day. Yeah, we all got a good laugh out of that. Well, they got a good laugh out of it. Yeah. Was like, the next day, and I was like, "The only way I'm getting back on a horse is if somebody's got to carry me out of this valley, and you're going to put me up there like I'm a dead body." I'm not saddling a horse. <laughs>
2: yeah. Drape him over the the hide end. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yep. Oh man, that's rough. Gosh, man. But I, you made it. But oh. you made it. I did make it, but I won't do it again. So
2: Chase, can we kind of uh, come back to your some of your things going on? Um, so yeah. when you're um, man, like let's talk about the um, what maybe I think we, you talked a little bit about earlier about kind of some of the spiritual things going through the Psalms. What are some of the things that you learned about yourself uh, in this? in this time of reflection and, and just kind of being removed from, from everything. Um, and maybe what is something that you learned about God in this whole thing?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think when I started, I would just write down a bit each day about this little phrase in scripture. And I think a a thing I learned about me is that I don't slow down enough. Uh, and I'm, I'm for, I mean, I'm, we're going through a series called formed by Jesus right now on the disciplines. And I'm talking about solitude and Sabbath this Sunday. And so the Lord rested, God rested from his work, but it was after six days of work. So I'm all for work. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, but, but when I stopped, I woke up without an alarm and got up before breakfast and I didn't have anything to do. (laughs) Which is is a is a really amazing thing because there aren't just aren't many days where I wake up and I don't have something to do, and so uh, I mean it's really evident in southern Wyoming. But God is there, and He's always there. He's there when I forget. He's there when I don't trust Him. He's there when I need Him. He's there when uh, the most difficult days of ministry are happening, uh, and and He is very present and. So I stopped without a a phone to distract me, uh, without seven meetings in a day, with being able to read whatever I wanted to and talk to the Lord about whatever I wanted to. Uh, There's a a verse in Psalm that says, uh, like a weaned child comes to his mother, we come to you. And it was one of these moments where you, there's really just the freedom of we're, I'm not coming for milk, I'm coming for intimacy, and just there's just time to be with the Lord. And I think we live. I, I read a, a guy or listened to a guy the other day said we all live like heart surgeons on call. <laughs> and uh, and and I so I live like I don't have time to slow down. But really, I think what that reminded me of is whether it's it's. You know, my morning wake up is 5 a.m. Uh, whether it's here in that moment at, at this chair I'm sitting in or whether it's another moment, I've got to stop and, and be still mm-hmm. before the Lord and be in his presence. Um, and that, sometimes that takes work, but it lands in rest. And it, and it was, I mean, it's certainly worth it in Southern Wyoming at, <laughs> at Water Valley Ranch when you got— uh you know, Patrick, the the fishing guide and server, who reminds you of Matthew McConaughey at age 21 taking care of you. Um, but then that's that's true in the moments where I think I can't or don't have time. I've got to stop and remember that the Lord is there and that he's my helper uh, even when I forget it. That's
2: good. What is it about, um, you know, we talk about it being uh, the Sabbath, being some, a time of rest. Uh, what does that look like to a pastor? Cause you're working on Sundays and a lot of times pastors yeah. don't have the opportunity to rest on the Sabbath, typical Sabbath day.
1: Yeah. We, we've talked a little bit about that as our team. I mean, Sunday is, is not going to be a day of rest for us.
3: And, um, and
1: there, there are people in church work who can forget that Sunday's a work day. And, and it's, it's, it is though, and it's good that it is. Um, but so it's got to be another day. And so for me, I can say, uh, as far as a day, that doesn't happen weekly. I, I would like for it too, but it's seasonal life where that that's doesn't happen weekly, but it does have to be intentional time where I think it's both for rest and for worship. Uh, I I think the the interesting thing about Sabbath, I think solitude and Sabbath are are complements to fellowship there is a communal aspect to Sabbath, but but then Sabbath is this 24-hour deal where it's not all communal. There's some time alone, mm-hmm. at, at least in, in Scripture. And I think traditionally for the people of God, um, I think it's often outdoors where you're not working, but you're walking maybe. And I, I, certainly for the Puritans, there was an element to solitude and quiet and Sabbath that involves seeing God as creator, and I can say for me, I think growing up in the church tradition, I did. I thought about Sabbath as something that came from the law, but it, but it doesn't. The, you know, the first time Sabbath is mentioned or first time rest is mentioned is really in Genesis 1. On the seventh day, God rested and it said he called that day holy and blessed uh, because his work was finished. And so, more in just kind of being a person who is made in the image of God, I'm I'm trying to figure out uh, how, what does it look like to rest from the work, uh, whether that happens every week or whether that happens every month. Because with um, with a job, and then also just with with young kids at home, it um, they can go and go and go. Life can, but if um, sometimes it might be a moment. In the day, like there, one of the things uh, Brad has, has kind of slowly talking me into is ditch fishing. There's a little ditch behind my office that uh, uh, I've thought about, you know, taking my fly rod up and hitting the bluegill in that ditch a little bit as a, as a moment of solitude. But then Sabbath, I think uh, it's both rest and focus on the Lord. And certainly when I'm teaching, I'm trying to focus on the Lord. I want that to be an act of worship. But I might also be thinking about somebody in the 10th row whose marriage is falling apart. Mm-hmm. So that's not really rest. And so I, um, I try to find days that are not a Sunday where I can slow down and sometimes be with the Lord in the book and sometimes be with the Lord in the outdoors
2: and there's a, um, just experience His presence. There's a rabbi, his name's Abraham Herschel. He said, if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. And I, I feel like that's pretty accurate. Like my my job is not a manual labor job. it's I'm, I'm working with my mind, but man, I find so much rest in having a that fly rod in my hand, cutting wood in the backyard, weeding in my garden. You know, those types of things are really get energy from those types of things so what are what are some of your thoughts on on that quote had you ever heard that
1: uh i had not heard that quote and i'd never heard of heschel until this week and i heard someone reference him and and read someone reference him kind of in a 24-hour span and so his book came in today it's in my backpack (laughs) and i'm busting it open in the morning but i think i think yeah that that's right that um like my Uncle John, who's a real formative guy in my life, he worked with his hands. And so for him, a Sabbath was going to be a stillness mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And and for me, I'm in an office staring at a computer or a book or, or talking with people. And so for me, it's going to be outdoors. And, and sometimes it can be with people. Like if I'm my wife or my boys and I'm outdoors, it, that is a good time for me. Yes. If I'm alone with the Lord outdoors, that is a, a time for me that is restful. Even like you say, even if I'm doing something, mm-hmm. uh, I might be plucking ears of grain, but that doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. I, you know, for me on that trip, I, <clears throat> I thinking back to, you said, you said something that resonated with me, Chase of, Like I woke up and I didn't have anything to do, Mm. you know, and I was like, usually whenever I go, you know, fishing, I'm looking at my clock going, all right, what time do I need to be finished today? Uh, We weren't looking at the clock. We were looking at When does the sun go? When is it too dark (laughs) 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 to keep fishing? That was, that was our time of, of finishing on that trip. And, but man, you know, days just like time felt different there. On that trip, because of that, because we weren't looking at our watches or our phones, and it it made me feel like you know there's real rest or there's real Sabbath. I don't know if it's Herschel or not, but I remember Eugene Peterson quoting another a rabbi about uh, about Sabbath, and and he talked about <clears throat> what the what the temple did to space, Sabbath does to time. And I and, yeah. uh, thought about that on that trip of like, this is real. This is real Sabbath because I have virtually no concept of what time it is because I'm not worried about time. You know, I'm just like where I am enjoying the place that I am and the people that I'm with. And I don't have to. I mean, the time is, you know, it's helpful. Um, and we certainly need a good schedule and I need a good schedule. And, you know, I, we didn't wake up with our alarms. We woke up when we woke up. And that was incredible. And so, man, it was good. I mean, it was genuine rest when you're not really looking at the clock going, where do I have to be next? Right. Pretty rare. rare.
1: (laughs) I think it's, I think it's Comer and a garden city that, that references something similar that he says, that's one of the things that distinguishes Christianity from every other religion that, and for Hinduism, there's a Ganges river. And for Islam, you got Mecca. It's a space. For Judaism, it would have been the, the temple until yeah. Rome came through in eighty seventy. Uh, but but for us, for believers in Christ and followers of Jesus, it's it's time. And really, ultimately, he he is our rest. The the, the rest for the people of God is found in Jesus.
0: That's good, Josh. We got you back. Looks like. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what um. You said you had not caught a fish all week, but you did catch a fish, didn't you? I did, and,
3: and you know, that's the um, part of that tension, you know, Brian. And it, you had asked, you know, what, what what I do. So when when I'm on, I'm I'm there to serve the pastors. I want to make sure that they're having the best time, right. that they're resting, that they're catching fish, and and that's the tension. And you know, the byproducts, I I get to do that. You know, Brad, you mentioned some other trips. We take guys pheasant hunting. I'm not a hunter. I'm really, not a fisherman either. Uh, occasionally, uh, I'll I'll hit a bird when nobody else is around. But uh, uh, on those trips, but but fishing, <laughs> it, it just seemed to be kind of the same way. Uh, just you know, I was trying to learn, and we had some really good guides, and trying to figure something out. Brad was gracious to give me some tips before and even between. And and I've been on the White River. We took pastors to the White River, and uh, a lot <clears throat> different float, yeah. Uh, amazing! I caught a couple Browns and, and it was a great time, but you got somebody kind of felt like when you were a kid, he was baiting the hook and I like, right, do this, do that. You know, it was doing all the work for you, which, Hey, yeah, that's fine. It was fun and caught fish, but I just had a hard time. I didn't really fish much on Wednesday, uh, but on Thursday went with Rick and he caught his fish and we were just about done. And, you know, he's was kind of tired. You, you, you're out there all day. And I said, you know, I just, I'm going to go give it one more, go just not close to the uh, not far from the, the cabin there. And Brad's coming in and, and Brad, he, when he says he he fished as much as he could, like he was there to fish. And I mean, he was the first one out, usually the last one coming back. And so we crossed, the, you know, past each other and could tell he was tired. And, um, and so I just made my way. There's a little bridge, swing bridge across the river. And I just got up from there and was just trying to, if I could net anything, you know, it was a, or even hook one at that point. And then i hear a russell behind me and here comes brad and he's like man i just wanted to spend some time with you and and so it was a great moment and he was there teaching me uh if you guys have never seen brad in action i mean it's a thing of beauty and just his ability yeah. to put that fly anywhere he wants it like i've never seen anything like it beautiful
2: cancer so, sure.
3: yeah. absolutely and so he he was like all right hey go here do this ninja line this and just helping me tremendously and yeah, I really just enjoyed that time together, Brad. I mean, it's, um, you mentioned we're, we're friends, been friends for a long time, something you love so much. And just to be able to be in that environment with you, it's not the thing I'm, I'm probably not going to take my own personal time and go fly fishing. And, uh, but I enjoyed it and I just love being there with you in that moment. And as the Lord would have it on one of the probably last times I'm ready to, to be done and just, you know, we've been out there a few minutes. Man, I hook one. And it's not even in your traditional it, I didn't throw it up and it flopped down and I saw the fit. It was on my back cast. Like I was trying to wet cast it and was about yeah, to throw it. It was on the it
0: swing. Up. It was on the swing, Brian. Oh man. Uh,
3: and I was like, "Oh, what? I thought I hit a rock, which is silly because it's a fly, but you know, I, I don't fly fish
0: no, a rock fly. fish."
3: <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> I flung that thing, thinking I was caught on a rock. That fish it came up out of the water, and uh, Brad got the net, and man, it was just special to the yeah. one fish I caught for it to be when you and I were together and you were helping me. It was something that no, I, I'll good. remember, very special.
0: And that. That river is is beautiful, and it was you know it was pretty quick that week. You know they had, they had, they had snow melt, and so snow was you know melting, and the water was you know moving pretty fast. But it was coming down, and you know the other thing, Brian, you've experienced this many times before. As you walk, you know you walk through those trees into down into that river, you descend into that cold water. Even though you have waders on, it's still, you know, you can feel you know, how cold it is. But man, that white noise. You know, from the river, you know, just drowns everything out. Mm. You know, the sound of that rushing water is is literally a you know is a white noise, like a noise machine that a lot of people go to sleep to. Right, a lot of people use those kinds of machines, and you know, even in our in our cabins, you know, if you had your window open, Uh-oh. even in our cabins, you could hear that you know just that beautiful noise of a you know of a mountain river, you know, right outside our windows and you know the mountains were sort of high around us. We were down in a kind of a narrow valley, and so the mountains were high around us. And man, it was you know it was a, it's a really special place. You've, if you've never been to Wyoming, it's worth a it's worth a trip out there to see because it's very you know it's so different than Alabama or Texas, right, Chase? No, oh, yeah. I mean, it is just vastly different than anything. It's even different, has a different feel than a, than a Montana, Brian. Right? It's it's really it's special, it's own special feel. Mm-hmm. But a beautiful, beautiful place.
2: So yeah, it was amazing, uh, Brad. So what is you know we've talked to uh, Josh's experience and Chase's experience, but you were on this thing too. So what is what was something that that you were able to reflect on or to take away uh, personally? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing you're over there ministering to Josh, you know, and you're the, and Josh is ministering to everybody else. I mean, you, I know that you did, you can't turn off being a pastor. Um, It's not something, it's, it's, it's who you are, not what you do. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so what did, where did, where were you in this? Where's your headspace? Where did God take you as far as showing him about himself, showing you about himself?
0: I mean, I think those glimmers of, of realizing, gosh, I lost track of time, you know, and that, how special that was and how rare that is in my life that I, that I lose track of time and, you know, and a whole day has gone by and you haven't looked at the, what time it is. You kind of looked up at the sun and saying about where it is in the sky, but that's about as close as I got to checking the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, every at every turn in a place that's beautiful, you know, I would stop in awe. At, I mean, there are. Yeah there's one hike where you hike out of you you cross this you know you know Robinson Crusoe kind of bridge it's a rope bridge and it's kind of bouncing you know and you're kind of walking across the the river and you kind of get in rhythm as the bridge bounces and you make it across the river and then you take a left and you go up the mountain and this is when you're hiking back into some of the the uh, the backwater into the into this national forest and Chase if you remember we, we, you know, I'm struggling. It's you know we're a thousand, several thousand you feet go. above sea level. <laughs> we're breathing pretty. And you, hard. and you
1: go, yeah, and I think our elevation. Then we went about a thousand feet up from there, and then over a mile back in. Yeah,
0: yeah. but we went up, and trees, you know, disappear, and you look down, and it's you know, it's it's desert like, and they're little tiny little flowers, and nothing's higher than you know twelve inches off the ground, probably. And there are rocks, and it's desert-like. And then we, we followed that little trail on that kind of ridge. And then it descended down into this little little valley. And and as we went down, um, there's a stand of aspen trees and oh. evergreens. And, and And this is in the middle of the summer, and there's a little creek down there. The temperature changed by, like, 15 degrees probably. And we broke into these trees, and all of a sudden it feels like Tropical because it's so green and it's cool. And we were just like a hundred yards that way, we were just in the desert. Mm -hmm. And there's no trees. And now there's trees of a different kind and it's all green and there's there's ferns and there's flowers and there's aspen trees and they're quaking. If you've ever seen the aspen, you know, they're the quaking aspen because when the wind blows their leaves tremble like the ground's trembling and it's so beautiful and they're green and um in the fall they're beautiful they're yellow. they're like a bright orange yellow Mm -hmm. Uh, incredible but they're green because we're in the midst of summer and then we hike out of there and we hike up a little bit and now there's a whole different ecology you know of of pine trees and uh, you know ponderosa pines and evergreens and it's a totally different set of plant life it's incredible within the span of what was it 2 miles at, at most not yeah. even that yeah and so you just marvel at the complexity of creation you know i wanted to take a picture of every little flower because they were all so different and they're beautiful and then you're wondering right around the bend hey bear <laughs> hey mountain lion you know <laughs> um you know what, what are you gonna see are you gonna jump a deer and just like around every corner i'm you know in expectation of of something you know stupendous you know and it's incredible and it's beautiful and so like my heart was super full with being in a place like that that's you know, so far from you know from home And it was, you know, so adventurous. And then you go back to the cabin, you know, and there's, you know, there's a taxidermy, a full body taxidermy mountain lion. And, you know, the the sobering reminder that there was probably one of those watching you the whole time you were (laughs) taking pictures of flowers (laughs) ready to eat you. Yeah, but man, it was incredible. So, you what's know, the mountain
2: heart, lion poop? Well, <laughs> cameras and flowers, cameras and flowers. Little red, little red beard,
0: <laughs> little red beard, bits of beard. But um, <laughs> yeah, heart was full, and then, and then probably you know my favorite thing is in the evening. You know, in June, it's cool enough to have a fire, mm. yeah. and all you know so in the background you have that sound of the mountain river the stars are brighter than you've ever seen them because there's no light pollution and there's faces all around of pastors of guys that go through what you go through every day and we're all sitting around the fire and their faces are lit up by the warm glow of uh, of a fireplace and we're all sitting around talking and and fellowship and just uh the fragrance of, of worship and uh, just a sweet aroma, as I will say. And if anyone knows me, they knows they know what that fragrance and that aroma is. And it's a sweet aroma to the Lord. And, man, it was a good time. And heart was full, you know. And I'm thankful to have been there. But very rarely do I not look at my watch. And so it was a real blessing to not ever look down at the old watch and go, I have to be somewhere. Nope. I fished until my heart's content. I promise. I milked every second. Mm. Man,
2: what a great opportunity! What a great ministry that is to pastors. I mean, what what compassion is doing or the refuge, and it's like, um. The the I can't imagine who's I don't know who started it, but you got to think it's somebody who's experienced what being a pastor's like, and knowing mm. that what that need is for people to get away not have to worry about who's going to sit in the pulpit, not going to have to worry about who's going to go minister to someone at the hospital back home. I mean, a true time to refuel, you know, and and reconnect, you know. Um, Yeah. Wow. What a great opportunity. And thanks for all that you guys are doing, Josh, with that.
1: That's a, Brian, that's it. That the guy that started it was a pastor and uh, some guys took him fly fishing. And it changed his life. Mm. They they got him away, and that, that was his heart. That's that's how he started refuge.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, well how Josh,
0: can I, go ahead? Go Brett. ahead, Brian.
2: No, I think you were going to say the same thing <laughs> as me. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, we have our plan. I just wanted to hear uh, wanted to hear from Josh on. We've had you know those of you that are longtime listeners uh, have have listened and heard uh, the legendary West Stafford share his story man what a treasure that man is and and how he's given his life to to do what he's done with compassion and building compassion and just man I, I will forever treasure that conversation that we had with wes on this podcast and i'm thankful that it'll be there you know it's recorded and we can go back and and enjoy it so if you have not listened to uh, Wes stafford's mm. dr stafford's episode please go back and do yourself a favor and and hear from Dr. Stafford and hear his heart for, for, for this work. But Josh, uh, man, can you share a little bit about what compassion does and more importantly, how people can, if they're listening and they, I mean, I want to be a part of that. How can they, how can they join up and, and be a part of sponsorship?
3: Yeah. And I'll just say, please do listen to that podcast. West Stafford is one of the most amazing men on the face of the planet and the stories and, uh, that he has to share. I mean, it's phenomenal. Uh, Brad, you mentioned, I don't know what the, the, the internet issues, what will come through. But my wife got involved with Compassion First as a volunteer advocate. And we were invited to Colorado a couple of times uh, over the years before working for Compassion and got to meet Dr. Stafford. And that man, in the, uh, celebrating Compassion's 60th anniversary over 11 years ago, we were introduced to him. And he sat and talked with Paige and me for 15 minutes, undistracted, not looking to see who the next person is, in a room full of very important people. Uh, He was zoned in to us, with us, and just present with us. And it just meant the world to us. And so he's the real deal. Every bit of of who you think he is, he absolutely is. A few years ago, I walked into the hunting lodge in South Dakota, and West Africa was on that trip. And I was... Fanboy and just un- un- <laughs> unbelievable that I was able to be there with him. Such a legend. Under Dr. Stafford's leadership, we saw the ministry take off from serving about 800,000 kids to the 2.2-ish that we're serving now, 2.2 million around the world uh, in a very short amount of time. Um, and, and it really comes back to what even he shares about is the decision to double down on what we do in the name of Jesus, uh, and so compassion is about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And to do that, we work with the local church with indigenous pastors to help them disciple children uh, that are often not even seen uh, and certainly not heard from uh, in the world that we live in. You take the poor and the and poor children, and they become the most marginalized people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so, man, we work in 29 different countries. We just expanded it to four new countries, actually re-entered into Myanmar, which was formerly Burma within the last year. Um, and so the, those 2.3 million children, they're real kids that are represented. Uh, they you know, part of families that are connected to that community that ultimately they need hope. And, and there's a great study that was done by a guy named uh, Dr. Bruce Waddick at, at San Francisco University. He's an economics professor. And they did empirical evidence to determine the, the effectiveness of sponsorship. And it's on our website, compassion.com. You can check that out, read the full thing. But it's overwhelmingly uh, definitive that sponsorship works. It changes the course of a child's life. But the coolest thing from that study was he talked about hope. Is that when kids become part of the sponsorship program, they begin to have hope in a better future. He said, how do you really articulate that? And one of the, the coolest things I've ever seen is they asked children that weren't sponsored, they were living in abject poverty, less than $3 a day, to draw themselves in the rain. And those kids drew themselves with no protection. They were downcast. The picture was gloomy. And that was them in the rain. And then they asked kids that were in the sponsorship program, connected to, to a local church, to draw themselves in the rain. The images were bright. You could see the sun. They had covering, some of them drew an umbrella, some of them drew them inside, and there was a countenance of joy and happiness on their faces. So Dr. Waddick's like, this is what we're offering. You, How do you measure that? But you give kids hope for something better, and man, it can absolutely change the world. And we see that, man. There are, are young adults that are world-renowned neurosurgeons. I had the privilege this weekend of spending time with a young man from the Dominican Republic He used to make musical instruments with plastic uh, bottles and a microphone. And what drew him to the local church was kids singing with the real microphone. Hmm. And just had an article written by a Dominican newspaper that said Jesus called him through a microphone. Hmm. And so now he's a worship pastor. Those 10 friends they used to play music with, Adam was the only sponsored kid in the program at his local church. But when he got a letter from his sponsor, his friend said, Adam, read the letter, read the letter for us. And those young men took those words of encouragement that a Sunday school class wrote to Adam on a regular basis. And they took it on as their encouragement. All 10 of those young men are followers of Jesus and their worship pastors um, around the world to this day. So, man, the work that. Compassion does to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. The holistic development—not only taking care of the physical, the mental, the socio-emotional, but the spiritual poverty that plagues children. Man, it's it's a joy to be a part of. I I hope I get to do this the rest of my life. And So, Brad, you asked, how can people be a part of it? Well, one, if you go to a church, I would love for you to go talk to your pastor. We have a group of men and women all over the country that we get to serve churches. Like in my role. Um, And we would love to partner with churches and help uh, connect them with the community, help them connect with the church. Uh, But you can simply go to Compassion.com and you can sponsor a kid today and know that the difference you're making in a child's life, well, you won't know. And that's the cool thing. I think on the other side of eternity, the Lord will give us that time to sit and hear those stories. Like we're sharing stories, like we'll get to hear those stories of what a a simple letter to a kid says, I love you. God loves you he has a plan for you uh, you you just have no idea the impact you can make in a kid's
0: life that's awesome we'll make sure to have those links on the show notes too so make it super easy for people to to click and find out more about compassion and what they do I love it Awesome. thanks for sharing that what uh, Absolutely. what's up Josh for you what should we always one of our final questions we always ask what's your what's your next adventure I know you have lots of adventures on the horizon
3: yeah there's two that i'd love to briefly mention one my son he's 17 he's a senior he's gonna he loves the outdoors and so we're actually going to do an alaskan trip we're going to spend a few days in the northwest to see the uh, cascade mountains and mount olympia so super excited about that in may but my very next adventure uh, brad you mentioned that these trips to fish and other opportunities kind of came out of COVID when we couldn't take pastors to see our work uh, I'm actually taking a church from Jackson, Mississippi to go down and visit a couple of churches that they help partner with and sponsor kids at in, uh, in Columbia. Awesome. So we'll be flying into to Bogota. It's been a few days there. The coolest, I say the coolest part, like, again, I, I'm, I'm here to help the church, but the, my boss and others have made it possible that I'm actually going to get to meet one of our sponsor kids, Abraham, awesome. that we sponsor in Columbia. So really, really thrilled about that.
0: That's, man, super exciting. That's so cool. Incredible. That's awesome stuff. Chase, what's on the horizon for, for Chase Bauer's next adventure? Yeah. So, you know,
1: I just got back from kind of a nice one, dropped my son in London to go to Bible school at Cape and Ray Hall and got back about a week ago from that. But uh, on the horizon, my wife just uh, kind of out of the blue about two weeks ago said on spring break what do you think about taking our two youngest sons to broken bow so in Oklahoma broken bow Oklahoma there's a ton of trails and then there's a fishery where there's just variety of species there's trout there's bass and so over spring break we're looking to go up there and and do some fishing do some hiking and have a great time with our two youngest
0: in the outdoors that's exciting I've never been that sounds cool I've, I've heard about that but I've never been there before
1: yeah, same for us. It's like four hours away. Yeah. We've never been there, and so we're going to check it
0: out. That's cool. You you mentioned one of the guys, and it made me think of a story I would love for you to tell from the trip, Chase. You mentioned our boy Patrick, and uh, there was a fantastic story about our friend Patrick, one of the young men that was a guide for the Refuge Foundation.
1: Yeah. Are you talking about we're driving in and yeah. we're just talking? Yeah. yeah he, Patrick is my drive and we're going in and I, I look over at one of the pastors riding with me and Patrick's just got this great iconic drawl. And I said, it's like Matthew McConaughey. He's 21 years old. And I asked him how he landed out there and he just, he told me and I said, what do you do? And so he mentioned he, he liked to write. And my son Nate is is a gifted writer. And so i was talking back and forth and i said well, patrick how, how do you do that what does that look like and and Patrick goes I don't really plan it I said what do you mean he said well Chase I don't ever really sit down to write but sometimes writing sits me down you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> I all, all right, all right, and, all right, all right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey uh, at age oh, 21 man. is in the building and well, we just <laughs> laughed but he, he wrote a lot about nature a lot about the lord and uh, and he was a great guy <laughs> great conversationalist, and served people so well just <laughs> such a free spirit and fun guy who love the lord it would be exciting to see what god does with patrick.
0: absolutely yeah i had a great time with patrick myself what a all those young men were incredible that that worked there. Oh, yeah. i was super impressed with the staff that they put together for the refuge and yeah. you know speaking of support if there's you know if you this kind of work you know inspires you and you want to be a part of that you can support the the refuge foundation is because they're you know they're fundraised supported um and so they offer uh, weekends like this to pastors that you know all you have to pay is getting yourself there you know if you can't pay anything they they really have a heart for a real heart for pastors and uh, they do incredible work and so if you want to support that um, you can we'll have those links also in the show notes to to support the refuge foundation Uh, Well, this has been, man, what a great conversation, fellas. I'm so, I was looking forward to to sitting down with you two. I I remembered some specific stories that, man, I thought were worth telling and experiences that were worth sharing with our folks with the storied outdoors. And I'm so thankful that you've joined us, man.
1: Man, thanks for having us. It's such a, uh, just a great, great gift to see y'all's faces, hear your voices and visit and remember that trip.
2: Man, Josh, so nice to meet you, man. And, um, and Chase, always is, is good to see you too, but I wish it could be face to face and, uh, Same. and shoulder to shoulder throwing a fly rod, you know. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. We need to do that again. But, man, thank you all for joining us. This has been so great. And I know that, um, People are going to be really encouraged by this conversation, and 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 entertained too. <laughs> I keep, I keep, I don't know what it is, but I keep feeling like my hips are going to lock up on me any minute now.
1: <laughs>
2: well, okay. you
0: know, you learn. I mean, I think about all the little lessons that I learned too. I mean, I, I mean, I was so deeply thankful that I had stayed on the trail that day. And I yeah. didn't follow. I didn't go down the hill with Paul. No, <laughs> I followed the wrong guy. I'd have been, I'd have been real in real trouble because I was, I was tired. I was just exhausted. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going, I'm going back. Yeah. And I was really glad that I did because uh, that yeah. might not have worked out so great for me. So yeah, stay <laughs> yeah, on the trail, folks. Stay on the trail, yeah. folks.
3: Learning lessons, so you know Paul's my boss. He he works for Compassion, and so it gives me a little caution whenever Paul's like, "Hey, we, our team should do this." But like, I don't know, Paul. So you lead some guys into uh, some rough water. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I know your ways.
0: That's right. Yeah, they usually end up with waders full of water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which turns into an anchor, by the way. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, (laughs) man that's the thing i love about this podcast and about stories like this is there really are great lessons anytime you go on an adventure in the outdoors Uh, there are things that you never forget you know um And things that will teach you uh, teach you life lessons, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and, and genuinely, uh, I enjoy sharing those stories and spending time to to reflect on our experiences. Um, that's what we hope this story or these podcasts do for people: is to one inspire them to get outside, uh, and but two is take time to reflect on your experiences, especially those in the outdoors, so that you can stop and and write them down um maybe you'll be like patrick maybe you need to stop and and Mm. and and sit down and write because you don't normally sit down and write but every time you write it stops you Mm. so that'd be really great for us to put that into action is to sit down write these stories share some adventures in the place we love to call the storied outdoors Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space, plus they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information.